Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the Back of the Bus Session. Hello and welcome to the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. Today, I've got a new mate on here. I'm really excited about this. He's a local author. I got linked by Tony, who was on a podcast a few podcasts ago. And I'm really buzzing about this because you're bloody lovely, mate. (laughs) And I really appreciate you being here. So welcome aboard, Daniel Longden. How you doing? Not Dave Longden. Not Dave Longden, no. It is Dave Longden, but... Go on, give give us a little bit of background. Um, I was going to get myself published under Dave Longdon. Yeah. Um, there's already, already a couple of publishers, authors published under that name. Okay. So I was uh, wanted to be the one and only. Ah. And I, I, I was sat watching Gangs of New York, and I, Daniel Day Lewis is just one of my favourite actors, and it rolled off just in my head. It rolled off a tongue. Daniel, Daniel D. Longdon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it suits you. <laughs> now you've changed it to me. I've, I've seen you as a Dave all this time and some it wasn't there, but now you've said Daniel, I'm like, oh, this totally makes sense now. <laughs> so, Daniel, with the books, how long have you been writing for? About 13 years. Because they look so impressive. Can you just get them and hold them up to this camera? Uh, honestly, the, the moment you revealed them today... I was so impressed by the artwork, the, the, everything that's gone into them. They're just a genuine piece of beauty. Make sure you watch this uh, episode, guys, because you will keep referring and bringing the books up. But which, is that in the order as well? That's the first one. So the first one, what's that one? Devastation. You've got Devastation and then... Retribution. Re- Devastation, Retribution... What Re- next? Redemption. Redemption. And then Lorella. Lorella. And any more to come? Uh, 20 in total. You're going to do 20 books? Yeah. Mate. I've nearly finished writing book 11. Dude, this is so exciting today. I've not had an author on properly. And you've brought all your books with you, but you've got 11 so far yeah. and 20 to come. Yeah. Like all together. Well, so how do you go about doing a process like that I just start typing writes itself yeah but you've got the whole story mapped out you've got one to so it's it's going to eventually write itself yeah wow let me let me tell the story of how I know you Uh, because it's funny yesterday I had somebody come over to the bus to talk about the men's mental health festival we're doing and I was on the phone at the gym and we're talking for a good 20 minutes and then suddenly goes, Mikey, I've got to stop you. Do you know where you know me from? And I said, no, I've got no idea, mate. And he goes, I was your um, community service officer back in the day. And I'd completely forgot that time period of my life when I was, when I was really struggling and I'd just shut it off. But when he mentioned it and I saw a picture, it's like... Oh my God. And he was such a, a wonderful man, old, wisdomful man. I don't know if he should hear this and say old. <laughs> How old is he? He's in his 60s. He's old. You've got a few on me yet, though. <laughs> but he, in, a, in a real time of desperation and need, he was one of those figures that I remember. And I, I've never forgot, really, until. Well, he was clearly there. Do you know when I saw him? And then I went, oh, 
that conversation, da 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 da. Yeah. And the same, literally, with you. So Tony um, put us in touch and said, "Oh, you need to speak to my mate. It's really interesting." Which I'm very glad we're talking now. And then he, he showed me a picture and told me your name, and I went, "I know him, hundred percent. I've met him." And then we were talking about it, and I go, "I said, I think I said, was he a bouncer?" Or you said, "Were you a bouncer?" And that was the trigger. And it was it at Marsh in Derby. It was, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've just I'd had. I'm probably talking, I was 21 at the time. And it was, again, in my very phasey, weird patch that I was struggling with a lot in life. And I've had bad encounters with bouncers all the time. So have I. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere I go, it was just aggression and this hierarchical nature. But you spoke to me with genuine grace authenticity and we're just being really nice to everyone and I gravitate round to those people I always think I feel they've got something to offer me or something to give so I go and talk and you did you were you were really passion fueled you're talking about being a writer I don't know if you'd long been into it I wrote my first book while I was working at Mosh really yeah so I caught you on an early time into it very early yeah and I'd only just started figuring out who I was at all, as in an identity crisis stage, but I'd found a bit of a passion. I was into poetry. So the writing thing, again, lit a lot of lights up for me. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. So probably it was only 15, 20 minutes, but you left something there. I was like, I want to be that passionate. You were so into what you were doing. And it gave me a lot of fire. I was going, I want to go and write now. So thank you for that moment because I genuinely think that kept the buzz going and here we are today. I love, I love how things come round, full circle. So now I get to find out what journey you went on from the mosh days to, to where you are now. <laughs> Just work, work and write. Work and write. Work and write. So, because you're a lorry driver now, aren't you? Yeah. Are you writing in your head? When you're driving, I think a lot about my stories. Um, you have to legally take 45 minute breaks. Uh, I'll sit in a Costa somewhere at a service station, take my laptop with me, and I write 500 words while I'm sat there. Um, while I'm waiting to be tipped on a bay, I'll, I've got a cushion, put on the uh, steering wheel, laptop sits there. I'll write for a couple hours. Oh, mate, so okay. I get do a lot you, done away. Do, do you make sure you write 500 words? No. No, whatever comes out. You don't have rules then. It's no. just allow what comes. Yeah. So what are the stories about so far with these four books? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> open the Pandora's box? That, that's open Pandora's box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first three books follow a set of characters, the main one being Jason De Silva. Um, it, it's set on a different planet way into the future. Uh, it's apocalyptic in nature. Uh, the technology has been knocked back into the Stone Ages. And the, the people then sort of come back up and the technology is where we are today. But it was far more advanced in the past. Um, there's, there's a lot of people still got that technology off planet and they're filming everything everybody's doing uh, with little nanobots all the time. And um, every single thing that everybody does, you know, is filmed and used as entertainment. Wow, okay. So, did you take inspiration from sort of 
what's happening in the world. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that... every, every writer does that. Yeah, really? Yeah. What, like, films or politics and everything in combination? Politics. Politics. Mm. Where's your political stance? Where's your political oh. side from? Um, I'm not a fan of the criminal culture and the gang culture. Yes. So they're my bad guys in the story. Ah, okay. And they try and take over the country when the, there's a civil war happens between the royal family and um, the parliament, the government. And uh, there's, there's kind of like four different factions. So this Jason De Silva gets all the good people and goes after the criminals. Wow, okay. So, like, literally the gang cultures in our areas? Yeah, they rise up and try and take power. And then Jason De Silva's fighting against? Yeah, leads leads the people's army. <laughs> so, is he going to stay throughout these books and collection? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'll get, he might, you know, get written off at some point. He's already died twice. Really? Yeah. Right, okay. I don't want to spoil too much of him yet. No. <laughs> so, with your writing, did it always come out as a story, or has it ever felt musical or anything like that? What made you pick a character and start running with a bit of a storyline? I have no idea. Yeah. It just spills out onto the page. Because we were talking before the podcast, and I'd like to explain what got you into the writing. Uh, my middle child, who's now 18... When he was at infant school, he was being bullied by some older kids. Mm. And I felt ashamed that I'd let it happen. Although there's nothing I could have done about it. Mm. Um, and when I did find out what was happening, I sorted it out. But I still felt really bad, like mm. I failed him. And um, my good lady, uh, Emma Fox, lovely woman, she uh, got me a typewriter, a ream of paper, and said, you need to write your feelings down. So I just started writing. Four months later, I got my first book. Did you start out with your feelings then? Mm. Just how you were feeling? Yeah. And what was going on? So it's quite a cathartic process. And then as it went on, it started coming into story mode. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, what were you like at school? Did you enjoy writing? I hated school. Really? Yeah, I failed miserably. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I'm not academic. Not, not by no stretch of the imagination. Um, even in... English, when you were in the English session. Terrible. You had no botherment there. Couldn't even read properly when I left school. But, and how old were you in this timeline then? But late, late 30s? Yeah. So you're in your 30s, and then suddenly your partner goes, Dave. There's <laughs> a typewriter, yeah. <laughs> here's a pen, is yeah. well, no, typewriter. Mm. Start getting down these emotions. Yeah. And then it all just starts to unfold. That's absolutely stunning. What a beautiful human she is. Isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> and, and does she write a lot? No. Not at all. She reads. Yeah. But she just saw something new. She's like, I can see it all bubbling up. It's literally tipping over. I need you to start writing stuff down. I think she needed to. I think she wanted to stop me from tipping things over. <laughs> wow. So after you've started writing... Do you get any form of training on how to actually layer a book out? No. Do you just take inspiration from other books then and sort of see how they're done? I'm, I'm, I've read a lot of books mm. since I left school. Um, 
I have had help. When I first started out, I was working with a, a Ginger Nut Books who were based in something in Ashfield. So just a couple, Trevor and Michelle. And I, Michelle used to tell me off all the time, all the time. What with? Uh, my writing. She, she says, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this, that wrong. So yeah, I've, I suppose in that sense, I've had training. Uh, but I, I really annoyed her sometimes. What would be the, the main cut? Was it spelling? Was it grammar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. spelling and grammar. That. So in, in a way, I've got, I've got a lot to be thankful for to uh, Michelle and Trevor. Oh, brilliant, mate. I suppose it, it's, it's helpful in writing, isn't it, to have some structure, have some yeah. tools to it, because it makes it coherent and people can actually read what you're trying to say. But then you don't want it to be overstructured because you want to have that creative flair. And it's, got a, it's got a flow. Yes. It's got a flow, right. Have you ever spent a day writing and then just felt, actually, what I've just said doesn't make sense and just threw it all out? Yeah. Really? Yeah, if, if, you, if you type in it and it's shit, then you ain't going to get published, so you may as well just bin it. And you've done that oh, a yeah, few yeah, times? Yeah. Do, you, do you still go old school then? Do you use the typewriter? No. No, I, no that went to tip years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, you should have kept it around. I know, I know, I should have. No, it went, it went. <laughs> just as a remembrance. Yeah. But then, you're, you're on computer now. Yeah. Have you ever lost files on computer yet? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, let's Shit. let's connect over that. It's painful, oh, man, isn't it? I tell you what, I, I had a got a tower when typewriter went. Uh, it broke, and I was halfway through my first book, and a friend retrieved the files. Uh, it's something I couldn't have done. Yeah, wow. So yeah, that's so lucky. Yeah, I, I've I've lost um, days of footage before. Uh, there was one time where I'm sitting there editing. And it's on my hard drive, and my cat Tommy always comes and sits, and he just wants to play and stuff. And I remember he he looked at me, he looked at the thing that knew it was important to me, and because I wasn't giving him attention, he, he stared at me and just went whack and just hit it on the floor. And the noise my hard drive made, it, it literally sends me to sleep at night sometimes. <laughs> it's that, yeah. and I just thought that's that's gone. I know it's gone and I, I spent, I took it, the worst bit was me taking it to a professional and then spending a hundred pounds and then him going, so I can't do anything. And he was <laughs> just paid to get somebody to tell me he couldn't do anything. That was horrible. Yeah, now I'll back everything up. That's a good shout. That's a big shout. So let's go to your first book. Pick, pick that one up for me. Right. Devastation. Yeah. Give me, give me the bit of briefing to, to what's happening in Devastation. Don't give all the plot away because people need to read it themselves. Well, <laughs> Jason De Silva, his um, family is getting picked on by a family around the corner who are part of the criminal element of the locality where they live. And um, he goes after him. Uh, he it's a couple of family members and then the police are after him. So he's on the run from the police. Um, then he's he gets support off of another local family that, that sort of hide him away. Ah. And the police go after him in force. His wife ends up getting shot. And uh, all the locals then come to, to his side and they start battling with the police. 
and the criminals turn up and then the police swap sides and join with Jason De Silva and there's actually a big battle occurs. Oh, wow. So, Do you know your, your dislike to the criminals? Oh, I can't stand chavs, I'm sorry. Ch- <laughs> yeah, that is what yeah. we say. They're called, they're called scavs in, in Scav- the story. Ah. Scav- so, scavengers. So chavs. <laughs> scavs yeah, yeah. and chavs. Yeah. Um, does that come from working in all the sectors that you've worked in and bouncing? No. No, I've always hated them. From, yeah. from literally back in the day? Yeah. School days? Well, I think eight's probably a really strong word. Um, an intense dislike. Strong dislike, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just from in Inca- Where did you grow up? Eastwood. Eastwood. And you'd be going out on the park and different places, even yeah. at school. Yeah, and yeah. That, that was where you were just having fun, playing with mates, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the pain come from. There's a bit of, bit of that, yeah. 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 But I, th- I think that's quite common. Every, everybody gets a little bit of bullying at some point in their life. And you, did you go through a bit of bullying then? A little bit, yeah. It, it, it does. It I'd, feels I'd, strange I'd hearing that, mate. Looking at you now, I think no. not many people would mess with you. Well, they put my shoes down the toilet. And, you know, I got beat up a few times. Yeah. And I think I was, as a child, I was quite scared. Mm. Yeah. Do you channel that emotion into these books then? No, not really. Not The first one I did, Devastation for sure. Um, I put my heart and soul into that book. Mm. So if, if you want to know where my politics lie... Just read Devastation. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So within that book, are there some ideas, theories and thoughts about how to work with these politics as well or how politics could be bettered? No, they just get twatted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Just it. death and carnage. <laughs> really? Yeah. All the way through? Yeah. Well, it's got a good, I think it's got a good plot line, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of death and carnage. Could you see them going into film eventually, these books? I'm published by Austin McCauley, a big publishing house in London. And they, they said it'd make a fantastic series. Seriously? Mm. So hopefully, oh, one, mate. one day. Do you know how to approach film companies and industries in that way? No. No? Nope. Well, well, mate, I've got some cameras. So. No, well, we're, we're on it. <laughs> yeah, we're halfway there. Yeah. But because I, I do really enjoy accessing my information stuff through film. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. I've, I've begun, like, started reading more now. That's one of my New Year's resolutions, and I really have got into it. Um, I make sure, I do have rules. Every night I try and do at least 20 pages of something just to feed it because... I think it was just a label I'd give myself, dyslexia, and I'd always put myself off doing stuff. But I don't think it's always wise. Do you know what I mean? When you attach yourself to it, you yeah. hear a lot of people now, oh, I'm ADHD, or oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. Everyone's got a label. Yeah, and you think, that's okay, but are you just using it to prevent yourself from doing something? And I think I was. I'd, I'm not to say that I'm not dyslexic, but it just means I need to try a little bit harder. <laughs> I have my 14-year-old son. He's got dyspraxia. Um, he used to fall down the stairs. He could, you know, he struggled to walk. He'd run down the garden at the age of three and he'd fall down three times before he'd reach the end of the grass. Uh, but he, every, every time he comes up against something he can't do, 
he has to conquer it. Ah, oh, I love so, this. And he, he's just, he gives me so much inspiration. I mean, he ended up playing football for Natan a couple of years ago for a season. <laughs> and he, it's like, how can a child that young be so driven? You, you know what I mean? Where did that come from? Did you sort of try and ingrain that into he's, him? No, he's, it's all in. So just himself. picked it up from nowhere, yeah. this he, he, tenacious attitude. Oh, he hates it. When he can't do a thing, he hates it, and he, he drives himself to conquer. I really, mm. really love that attitude. So That's do I. stunning. Yeah. Are, you, are you similar nature, though? I think so, yeah. Oh, so maybe it's sort of made a, a genetic position. Yeah, possibly. I, I feel in me, yeah, my mum's very driven, Um high anger (laughs) when she goes she goes but I've now realized I've got so many elements of my mum but learning to channel them it helps and it accelerates me in so many different ways of life before I was unconscious of them so I was just letting them come out in any situation and now I'm sort of trying to oh this is mum coming out here make sure I can put it into the right place because she gets shit done (laughs) She makes sure she she really always is on top, I suppose, is the best way. And now I'm trying to just work out, okay, that's fair, but sometimes it's a bit too overpowering. How can I use it a little bit? So I'm really, I'm happy that I've got my mum's traits about me now. Whereas before I thought, oh, this is not going to be an easy ride. <laughs> and how, how many kids have you got? Three. Do you, do you love being a parent? Oh, yeah. Do you think that was part of the making of you as well, as a person? 100%. I was, I was like, like a lot of people, I was pretty much lost, really. Mm. Um, I got custody of Nathan. Um, he moved in with me on his first birthday. Huh. And that's when me and my good lady got together. And uh, before I'd actually created myself that family unit, I was just drifting. mm yeah. Uh, yeah, my family pretty much saved me, I think. And do they go heavily into the writing process? No. You never bring in the family element or anything like that? No. So what, when you say, yeah, it made me as a person, what was that then? Just give you that sense of direction? Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone needs a purpose in life. Mm. So is yours to protect the family? Pretty much. And <laughs> Roof over the head, yeah. thrive, survive. So book two, what have we got? It's a follow-on from the first book, really. Um, the At the end of the first book, the, the scavs are driven from uh, the country. Scavs. <laughs> uh, they, they, they go to this island that's kind of a... Um, it, it's part of the country where it's set. And they take over. Mm. And it's Jason De Silva and, and the People's Army and the royal family get together and go and... and Kick, try and kick them off the country, okay. off the island. So I like the royal families in this. So you're quite a royalist. Do you like the royal family? <sighs> to some degree, yeah. Yeah. To some degree. Tradition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what brought them into the book, though? Why did you think royal family? When I first wrote Devastation, I wrote it as if it was in the UK. Um when I decided to change it to a, a sci-fi setting thousands of years in the future yeah, and give it the story that I gave it, um, I, had, I changed all the names, all the place names and all the right. people's names. 
It's clever. Mm. Michelle Jen from Ginger Nut Books, she kept saying, you need to get yourself noticed. So you need to write some short stories. Uh, she said, write me a story on werewolves. So then I was, and then she wanted me to write a story on, on vampires and things like that. And every time she gave me a suggestion, I integrated it into my story. Oh. So that's why it's ended up being a multidimensional conflict. She's got a um, pivotal moment in your timeline, isn't she? She is. <laughs> Werewolf story. Book right. four. And that's book four, isn't that's it? That's book four, yeah. So go back to book two again. To, yeah, keep, tell me a little bit more about that one still. So that's the follow-on. Yeah. And tell me where did the scavs end up? They ended up moving out. And yeah, they got they got they got their asses kicked. Yeah. Um then they, they go to this island uh, and they absolutely take over and you can imagine all the depravity. Yeah. So someone needs to go and set it right. Oh, okay. I'm I'm getting an idea of where this is all around as well do you know when you're reading the books and you said it was set is it way far in the future but you're taking inspiration from the now yeah while you're reading it can you as a, a reader start to piece the very jigsaw so, together yeah. very much so <laughs> but the the island that the chavs take over is basically ireland oh i i had australia in my head actually oh, australia because obviously we're like the poms to them aren't we yeah, but yeah good day they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're the prisoners weren't they they yeah. sort of got shipped off so i had that in mind where they all got taken away and chaos in in, in essentially and i think that did happen in australia for quite a while it did yeah um but no that's island you've got there yeah so then you, so it's, it's really interesting this book because you basically taking away like history as well but taking it into a futuristic part and i love the fact that you've gone the historical adventure you've taken influence from the present but you put it all into this futuristic life as well yeah. it's that full circle again so go on then book three is that a run-on as well yeah it's, it's following on the same set of characters uh there's a civil war happens in that one between the royal family because the government have finished at the end of book two. Um, right. No more government. No more government. They finished. So um, the royals take full control and there's two two princes. Okay. Um, the the king is assassinated. Uh, there's, an, there's a dark, dark assassin roaming the land and he, he's, he's just pure evil. Throughout all the books, is it kind of... Um apocalyptic as well like what 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 are the areas like is it not a oh, nice no, areas or pretty much like where, where we, we are now. it is how we are now yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not sort All trees of and greenery mad max and no, style not mad max style no and are there built up industries though is it yeah so it's still to a capitalistic nature yes materialism and so on yeah shifting over to socialism when it all collapses or no. never going that no. that far i'm not a fan of socialism i'm not at all no. <laughs> i was just wondering if that's sort of where it ends up going because people have to eventually i'd, I'd, I'd say it's more totalitarian okay yeah mm. and does the, are there big shifts in each book on oh. how the structure is politically yeah politically yeah. And in the communities and yeah. areas. Okay, so where are we at book three then? What's 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 happening? 
Uh, like I say, there's a civil war happens. Civil war. Um, the, the main characters are, are running around the country trying to save different people. Uh, there's, a, there's a prison in the south. Um, and Jason De Silva does a, does a raid to break some people free. And, you know, there's, there's three important royal items. Uh, there's a scepter, the sword, huh. and, and the crown. And what they do together, they uh, operate a spaceship that's been trapped and hidden under uh, some mountains in in the middle of the country uh, for 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 centuries. Wow! Since the since the civilization collapsed, and never nobody remembers it. But these these three items have been you know they're very important, and they're, they're, they're artificial intelligent, and nobody knows. Wow! So is it? sci-fi all the way through these books kind of does it get more so in chapter three in book three yeah right yeah. So, so one and two you sort of within all the the different spectrums of communities and political spheres it's like an introduction yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not uh, even though it's set really far in the future it's not so sci-fi and then no, number three, they discovered a spaceship and so on as well. Spaceships discovered at the end of book seven. Book seven? Yeah, so I've not even got to that yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is so interesting. The, is there a, a lot of sort of intergalactic travel within oh, this as oh, well? Yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, massive. In book one and two? No. No. That's all purely on the first planet. So it's all. When, when do we move away from the planet then? Book four. Book four. Yeah. Hey, let go on. Book four then. We've not got there yet. Book four. Hold that one up to the camera. Lorella. 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 I think I added in a letter somewhere. You did. Lorella. <laughs> Lorella is the name of the planet. Right. Um, it's an irradiated planet. How did they get there though? Spaceship? No, they've always been there. Lorella uh, um, is the... Centuries before, thousands of years before, um, mankind have, have spread out around the uh, around the galaxy. Mm. They control a number of planets, and there's there's a massive star explodes um, with a little bit of divine intervention, and uh, and um, hundred solar systems get wiped out. <laughs> and Lorella is one of the planets in one of them solar systems. Wow! So in that sense, it's massively apocalyptic. And it's got a werewolf on the front. It's an irradiated human being that mutates to be ten foot, ten, ten, about ten foot tall, and looks like a werewolf. But can I have a look? Human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, here she goes. Right. Ah, oh, so that that it's not a werewolf. It's not a werewolf. No. It's a radiated human being, yeah. ten foot tall. What what other characteristics do they have? They eat their own. Oh God, so cannibal. They, yeah, they're all cannibalistic. There's no food source. Only themselves, so they just breathe like hell. This would make a great film. Do you All these, yeah, this would be so good. Or as a series. Yeah, it's, it's adult content throughout. So oh, God. It's don't vicious. read it, kids. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever, um, do you know where you're writing it? Do you yeah. ever shock yourself? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. That, that, <laughs> that's weird. What sort of things have you written down where you look back at it and thought, what am I saying? It, it, I've I've wrote some things and just got pressed the delete button. I'm like, I can't, you can't publish that, Jesus! <laughs> wow. Do you do you feel you always have to sort of try and top trump the next book as well? No, 
No, no you, you just, just follow in the... Yeah, just feel like the books write themselves, finish themselves as well. Do you say it's sort of a, a lot of artists always say it's, it wasn't me that wrote it? That, do you know what I mean? I've had that thought, but uh, possible. Yeah. It's a possibility. It's like it, it just comes through you. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've from some other say. place. Yeah, yeah. honestly, I've, I, it's very existential person. Nick, Nikolai <laughs> Tesla, he's the one that springs to mind. Yes, yeah. definitely. But yeah, tell me a bit more about your your inspirations, though. Is it from you? Has it been mainly from films and style? Because I'm getting even like Game of Thrones esque style in this as well. Do the good guys dies too. Right. Yeah. Did you watch a lot of like? Godfather and no. mafia films and stuff like that. Not really. I've caught caught films like that on occasion, but it's, I'm very, I'm very, I'm a bit of a sci-fi geek, I guess. Sci-fi geek. Yeah. yeah. So what what sci-fi like we going for? Star when, Wars. Yeah. I used to be a big fan of Star Wars till Disney absolutely murdered batted. it. Yeah, they, they yeah, did. Butchered didn't it. They? Butchered it. Oh, what do you think they did wrong? What what happened? Were they just going all too Hollywood on it? Yeah, I think I think they employed the wrong people. Yeah. Uh, that, is it Kathleen Kennedy? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. She was in charge of it for a while, and I think she just butchered it. <laughs> so, what were you? What you a fan of about the sci-fi genre, though? I, I don't know. Just mm. like it. So, for me, it, it's one that I've never ventured down too far. But I, I did really enjoy Star Wars as a kid. Lord of the Rings. Love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Would you say that's sci-fi? I'd say it's fantasy. Fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy. Do you know what it is? I, it's the possibility. It's the that anything can happen at any point. Yeah. And I love the imagination of it all. But Lord of the Rings is probably one of my top films, actually. It's in my top three. It's amazing, isn't it? Dude. It's amazing. Uh, did you take inspiration from that, then? Oh, Who, Who's the writer of Lord of the Rings? Tolkien, yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, J.R. Tolkien. J- yeah. He, d- to, to map out the world he created... I mean, yeah. the whole country of New Zealand are living off that film, in essence, aren't they? Yeah. I, I, went, I went over there, and you can't go anywhere without seeing something Lord of the Rings related. Do you know, because they're not a country that's in a lot much trouble many much of the time. No. So the orcs in that film were all the army, in essence. Yeah, well, she really. employed the army to, to go and be the orcs. So they got loads of jobs from it. And that it was really a lot of just normal, ordinary people all involved in the whole filming process of it. But what it did to their economy (laughs) completely just transformed it. So maybe this is what this book's going to do for ours and we're going to get out of the mess. Yeah. (laughs) Wake Darby will pay. Attraction, yeah. Attraction Central. It's really exciting what you're doing. So where, where are we up to now? Books 11. I'm writing book alone at the moment. Book eleven at the I'm, minute. I think I'm seventy thousand words in. So go on, we we may as well follow the the order we're going in. Can where are we at with five? Do you do you know in your head? <laughs> oh, I've wrote five. You've yeah, gone. What what what's happening in five then? Uh, techno zombies. Techno zombies. What yeah. do you mean? They're dead. They eat people, but they're the most intelligent creatures in the universe. Um, wow. I'm not telling you how that's happening. No. What other creatures are apparent at these times as well? They've still got the werewolf people. I know, it's a completely different story, but it kind of, it's part of the same story. Right, okay. So, yeah, and they're the good guys as well. 
And are there who are the baddies in this one? Us. Us. Always us. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same with the world. Same with the wolf story. The Lorella Dog Warriors. Uh, the main character in that's called Memphis Grimm, and he, he's just a beast. But um, he's mint. Really. Yeah. Read read that one, and you'll fall in love with him. Oh mate. Again, what what's what's some of his traits? Well, he likes meat. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really really strong, really powerful, good leader. Um, and they they find a chemical, um, which allows you to rejuvenate. Uh, I've called it the forever pill. Ah. And uh, there's a lot of it on this planet, uh, so they end up living for thousands of years instead of a normal dog life of ten. Wow. Do you know when you're writing all this? Are you reading articles as well and so on? No. Nothing like that of what's going on at the minute because there no. is so much correlation and contrast in. Like, there's a cryogenics. Have you heard of that? Yeah. And then yeah. The there's, minute, there's, there's cryogenics in my story. Really? Yeah. Is it? There's a lot of crossover, isn't there? Yeah. In real life and and what I you're suppose, doing. I suppose. Yeah. Do, do you know one conversation that people have about the the sci-fi? For some of the good films, a lot of it comes to fruition 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the line. I hope so, because I've got food replicators in some of the later books. Really? Yeah. Well, they, they always say, oh, it's, look for sci-fi genre. Look for a lot of the um, people that are writing these books and see how their mind operates, because they always seem to get it right. What, what, what do you think it is about those writers that predict what's going on are they, they, they got some f form of understanding do they just always looking at the future and seeing what what's about to hit us i think it's maybe, like feeding us ever so slightly yeah i think maybe the scientists like reading sci-fi and then can gain inspiration from the story and think mm, i'll try and invent one of them mm. it's possible I suppose, it, do you know, if you had a scientist friend and you could get a little bit of an inway with them, well, like what, like, AI, what we've got coming into the future? Because yeah. that, that, there's so many times that I've, I've social media or so on, I, I've looked at what a book was about in 1900-something, 1800-something, and look where we're at now, and it's basically identical. Yeah. It's absolutely fascinating, but I suppose we are forever evolving, aren't we? Of course the we information's are, yeah. there and it's just being able to take that information and turn it into something of entertaining. Mm. I just hope these werewolf people aren't coming yet. Well <laughs> they're a mean bunch. Yeah. But they mean well. Yeah. <laughs> so you you don't have an idea quite where it's going to finish. I know exactly how it finishes. You know where the finisher is. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not telling you. But you don't know how <laughs> no. you get in there. Uh, no, I kind of do. I kind of do. It's multi-dimensional. The, the the main way in which they travel between dimensions is that they have to die. Really? Yeah, and then be reborn. And they end up in a different dimension. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so fascinating. Do you think you could your brain would operate right in a different genre at all? Possibly not. Really? Have no. you ever tried? No. So all you've ever gravitated to is sci-fi sci futuristic sci-fi yeah. horror. Mm. Oh mate, do you know horror as well? <sighs> Using that term loosely, because some of the bits and some of the stories are quite horrific. 
Right. Very bloodthirsty. Did you like horrors here to, to watch as a, and films and stuff? I watched one last night with Mrs. What was it? Uh, Doctor Sleep. I don't think I've seen Stephen that Stephen King story. I, uh, yeah, I've heard yeah, it's of it. It's a follow-on from The Shining. It's a very good film. Very good film. But as a, as a rule, I think I'm mainly sci-fi and fantasy. Mm. I, I, I grew up watching horrors. I think my, my first was probably 10. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been The Exorcist. Yeah, that's not, not a good look, is not it? Not the great one to start so. on. I, I tell you what, I really do love The Shining, though. Just mention that. Great film. That's where my heart's sort of at. Those psychological yeah. thrillers. I, I like the breakdown in people and how people yes. operate. Same. And seeing the, the build-up. Again, it's the, the possibility of the mind. It can mm. conjure up anything. I don't like the bloodthirsty ones, like Friday the 13th, that sort of thing. It's just a bit base, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but I've ended up writing a lot, lot of that stuff into my stories. Okay. There's a lot of blood bloodlust. Is there a lot of the psychological element in your books? Do you talk about how yeah. the characters think a lot of the time and how yeah. they operate and why they operate? Like uh, I was telling you about the assassin I've got in my story. Yeah. He's he's there all the way through. Uh, he keeps trying to take out Jason to Silver, and he keeps failing. But he, he never fails on killing anybody else. He's he's le he's a legend in his own community. <sighs> so is there a sort of element to him that wants to fail? So he doesn't want to kill him really. And it's a possibility. Hmm. It's a possibility. But I think more divine intervention. Um, ah. There's a reason for him staying alive. Who's probably one of the most complex characters that you've got in the stories necrotron he's um the leader of the lichenoids or the techno zombies <laughs> i just love the words that come out your mouth because they're all words that i know but they're yeah. not usually in the same sentence no. <laughs> and that's what makes a good author isn't it i don't know yeah i feel so techno zombies yeah yeah, I, ju I just love the idea. Okay, that was book five, isn't it? Yeah. Six? Uh, again, that goes back in time um, to where mankind has spread out through our own solar system. Uh, in, in about 3000 um, AD, 3400 AD, I think, if I remember rightly. And this is where the cryogenics comes in. Oh. Uh, they've, they've not perfected FTL drives at this point, so um, they build some colony ships, and there's three colony ships. They plan on sending them out to colonize other other solar systems, uh, where they get the cryopods. Mm. And um, the spiritual religions have kind of taken over, and they've pushed out all the normal religions and relocated them to Ganymede. Whilst on Ganymede, they do what religious people do and go to war. Um, so the person who's sort of protect it's like a prison planet almost, and the person who's in charge, he doesn't like what's happening. So he steals one of the one of the uh, motherships, colony ships, saves uh, 50,000 of these religious people that are all trying to end each other, on Ganymede, and flees the solar system. Whilst they're in these pods, they have... Um, I suppose you could say full internet access so they can entertain themselves for the thousands of years it'll take to cross space. And um, they become a spiritual race themselves. And they're called the Godkin. 
I'm I'm genuinely really looking forward to reading your books. Good. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the way you think and how you build it all together, and it's just this sort of like washing over. Uh, all the ideas are flowing, aren't they? But yeah. I, it it's just something I've never explored down this style. But and I've never had the opportunity to talk to an author who thinks the way you think and sci-fi nature. But you're actually giving me like inspiration to I suppose have that escapism but it's still got real elements towards it my, my good lady um, she always says uh, although it's got a sci-fi feel to it it doesn't feel too sci-fi so it's in a genre all of its own that's cool mm. do you feel you've created a bit of your own genre in a way possible yeah it'd be nice <laughs> what would you call it I haven't got a clue <laughs> is that a good name it, is 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 AI uh, in the books? Yeah, massively in the books. Um, all all the spaceships, when they find, it's multi-dimensional, as I've said, mm. and a dimension that is running akin to ours constantly. Uh, it's where they draw the energy from. From it's it's like the astral plane. Um, and they, they draw the ether through, which powers absolutely everything. So the spirit council they become quite psychic and quite adept at. at um, huh. So it's almost like a magic based system, if you like. Right. And um, yeah, they just run everything. And the, the spaceships, um, all the captains, the DNA coded to these three items, which is the sword, the crown, and and the scepter. They need all three to operate the spaceships properly. And uh, the crown has got AI in it. Mm. And the three items which the royal family hold in the first three books on, on the original planet. Um, the royal family are, are the uh, descendants of the captain of the ship that's trapped underneath the mountain. So, right. the, so that's why that royal family has to survive. Right. For the DNA coding so the ship can be operated. Is there a lot, much talk about, because the thing that they say separates us from AI is literally just emotion. Is there much of that discussion in your book about why do you want to survive though? Why are you trying to come out on top? The, the way I've, I've, I've wrote in stories, once the AI has been connected to the captain for such a long period of time, the AI develops emotions of its own. <gasps> oh. So it can genuinely, it has love, it has fear. To a point, to a point, it has love for its captain. Right. So it wants to help the captain in any way which it can. Yeah. Mind-boggling stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Have you learnt a lot through this process, some writing? I think so, yeah. Genuinely? Yeah. Do, do you get the same buzz for it, uh, like how long you've been doing it from the start? I do, but it varies at times. Um, it's like my fifth book's about to come out, mm. and I, I get so, such a buzz when it's, you know, when I'm yeah. approaching and I'm, I'm waiting for the books to come through because I get so many free books. Uh, I'm just, it's just such a, it's a rush. It is a rush. And do you feel this is something? Do, do you go through writer's block at all? No. You never ever experience writer's block. No. How, would you write every day? 
if I need to have to drive every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so even your stop offs, you get and you do your writing though, don't you? Yeah. So you're pretty, you're predominantly writing a lot, but you've never had a hiatus, no. like where you three, four, five a week off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've had moments, times. yeah, and times. Yeah. What do you think you're gonna do when you've got all the twenty out? Right, someone tell Next story. Yeah. Yeah. Have you already sort of put that to a side or are you just very focused on this story at the minute? I am focused on this one, but there's a, there's a comedy that I thought I could write. Oh, you, are you allowed to tell me a bit about it? <laughs> um, not really. No. <laughs> I'm keeping that one close to my chest. Will it have some sci-fi elements towards it? Oh, very, very sci-fi. It's going to yeah, be yeah. sci-fi related. Yeah. What's the, the sci-fi one in comedy? It Red, Red Dwarf. Beautiful story. Do you like that? Yeah, love. Oh, it's part of my childhood. Red Dwarf's just really? amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Red Dwarf. But Although it's got, a bit dated nowadays, isn't it? I've, what, what, what is it about? What's the story there? Because I've, I've only seen it on Dave every so often. Oh, Red, Red Dwarf. It's um, Lister. He, he destroys a spaceship, kills most of the crew, uh, and it's they, they get lost and they're just trying to get home. Right. Is that, but that was part of your childhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So because I so. With my writing um, and poetry, it's funny getting into it. I'm 28 now. I was probably 21, 22 when I started, and I just loved it so much. But I didn't really know where it come from. And then my dad fairly recently reminded me about the streets. Uh, and when uh, the, Mike Skinner is in the band called The Streets. And when I was a kid, for some reason... I'd pick that CD. It's my first CD. Um, and we'd used to go on family holidays and we all got a CD each that we were allowed to listen to in the car. We went to like Cornwall, so we had to rotate it a lot. But mine were all really heavily influenced with lyricism. And I don't have a clue. It was Eminem, The Streets and stuff like that. But then later down the line, I just forgot about it all. I never listened to music. I was always listening to podcasts. And my dad reminded me about all that. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. It, it Full circle again. Yeah. And I must have had that inspiration bubbling away or burning up. Or so some reason to turn to lyricism. Because my sister just liked all the pop stuff and uh, reach yeah. for the stars and things. But all the bollocks. E even as a, yeah, <laughs> One Direction. But even as a kid, I was always really fascinated. Because the Streets uh, album that I chose was A Grand Don't Come For Free. And it's a concept album. So it's a story all the way through. Mm. And I've just loved stories from being a child. And I'm sort of that's how I write. It is so similar when you hear it, but I'd never put them together. So a lot of your childhood was immersed in quite sci-fi elements then. Yeah, yeah. Sci-fi, like I say, fantasy. Star Wars, Lord of the mm. Rings. <laughs> I've always been drawn to sort of Celtic stuff. Okay. And what about the politics, though? What drew, drew you into the politics? It was all about my son being bullied. And, you know, when you take a long, hard look at yourself and and you don't like what you see and, you you know, you look at the world in, world about you and people are just so evil. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's good. Everybody's bad. We've all got the potential to do good things and, and terrible things and uh yeah that was a terrible time for me that was your first son as well was it no i've got an older child 
Connolly. Okay. Because um, I like that they're saying the line between good and evil runs through every human heart. Yeah. But I suppose with the way that we we cultivate and we condition and we manipulate people, it's often through our very sort of tribal, but the the, the inherent, the, the not so good side of our nature, I suppose. It's this we're, all, we're all tribal. Everybody's yeah. tribal and that that's, you know, I mean, Jason De Silva in his story, his mission in life is to change mankind, to try and alter us, bring on a, a spiritual evolution. Mm. Uh, there is, there is, a, he, he finds out how, how that, how to do that, but he has to die for that to happen. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, mate. I don't necessarily like what we are as a species. I mean, if anybody actually truly has a look at themselves and, and the human race at, at large, you've got to realise what a bunch of tossers we really are. <laughs> yeah. You're not far from the truth, man. Yeah. I do. I, I really believe that's um, been perpetuated by the societies that we live in. Because I'm very honoured and lucky to have been able to travel a lot um, as a young person. I failed school, got on a plane, got out of here. But the, the happiest cultures that I've ever immersed myself in were the most simplistic. It was in, in Asia, in Thailand, in South Africa... They had all the needs met, and that was it. They had family, they had time, they were together, it was community, it was sharing. I'm not socialism, but it was just beauty. They, they were very simplistic. Whereas people in the more built-up industries always striving for more, 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 more. Maybe they just seem so greedy. Maybe us in the West have got it wrong, eh? Maybe. And is that sort of apparent in your books? Does that come through in any? Not really, no. 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 We just get rid of the scavs. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the death and carnage. <laughs> yes, man. <laughs> Life, baby. And Dave, we did say on this podcast, uh, the, the fourth book, is, am I honoured by that? You book? are, yes. It's Mate, for you. I think I've got a pen on me. I have got a pen on me. Can I get you to sign it? You can. Go on. Give, give me your best, my friend. Live on a podcast, we're, get, we're getting a full signature. I'm, I'm genuinely buzzing for this, mate, and I'm going to start that book tonight. Is it it's not working? Not working no. Oh, do, do a pretend. Do a pretend, do a pretend. <laughs> hey, it's, it sort of works. <laughs> we'll get that done properly inside. Oh, bless you, man. Thank you very much for that. I'm honoured for that. Let's have a look. Thank you very much. There you go, that's for you. Oh, dude, I'm buzzing. Much love. Lorella. Merry Christmas, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that forevermore. Now, honestly, I really appreciate this, dude. So how how do you go about selling them? Publishers do it for me. Publishers? Yeah, I don't I don't sell massive, massive amounts of books, but, you know, it, it buys me a drink, takes me and the missus out. Where can people go to get them? Amazon, uh, direct from the publisher. And what will they type in? It's Daniel D. Longdon. Yeah, there's only one of me. Daniel there's a, D. There's Longdon. There's only one of me, Daniel D. Longdon. You go for Daniel D. Longdon and all the books will just come up? Yeah, but I, I self, before um, I started working with Austin McCauley, I self-published uh, the first three books, so there will be different covers. Brilliant. So, you know, you'll only get the books from the uh, what I've shown you today. And would you say to the reader, 
I'm guessing you would say this to the reader, but I'm get biased. them all. <laughs> yeah, damn yeah. right. <laughs> would you Would you start from one and work your way through? Is it integral to do that? That one works as a standalone novel. So does five, uh, six maybe, uh, but all all the others you you really need to read them all. And do it in order. If you if you're going to read every single one, you need to do them in order, really. Yes. Because uh, book seven, I bring um, the Grim which are the dog warriors, uh, the lichenoids and the godkin into my story in book seven. They all, they all join up with Jason De Silva and form an alliance. I, I genuinely think this is going to come into being something. Do you reckon? I, I honestly do, yeah. yeah. The way you talk about it and what it does to my brain when you say, you know, all the different elements of what these books have got involved in them. I think it's what people are searching for at the minute because... There's a lot of similar content out now. It's a lot of sameness and yeah. things being rehashed. But the way you talk and how I feel these books are, are built, I, I've not, not seen anything like this for a long time. And I, I think, in, especially in visual form as well, this mm -hmm. could come to life in a really beautiful manner. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I know so. So, so Daniel D. Longdon, let this camera know. Tell people where they can get the book uh, and everything again, just to make sure. You can buy the book on Amazon and you can get it directly from Austin McCauley website. Mate, I really appreciate you coming today, showing off these books. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. I, I massively appreciate it. I'll do my bit. Guys, you've been a part of the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. I'm going to leave you on this, and I always do, and I always will. Just be nice to one another, you beautiful set of buggers. We are nice deep down, remember that. Big love.